0: It's a happy Christmas with the Culture Swally, with fun from the news, shang lang and special guests, our mutual friend, the guy from Little John's Window, and the Crankies. Now here's Nikki and Greg. Ho, ho, hello and welcome to the Christmas episode of The Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and culture. My name is Nikki, and I am joined, as always, by the little boy that Santa Claus didn't forget. And he's got him a pair of roller skates for Christmas so he can join the flying rollers. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg?
1: Uh, very well. Well, I'm just coming off the back of a bit of a cold, um, so my voice is... A little bit sexier than usual perhaps i had a pcr test and I, I don't have covid so that's uh i'm sure everybody will be relieved to hear it um but what i but what i have realized is if you have it's just a regular cold but obviously in the in these days of pandemic of pandemia everybody looks at you a bit suspiciously when you like sniff or cough or have to excuse yourself to blow your nose so yeah i've been i've been keeping a bit of i've been keeping an I've had a low profile through the week but I was starting to feel better sort of, sort of Wednesday, Thursday so took a step out
0: You always have to just like justify yourselves nowadays yeah. as well Um, I, I was on a call yesterday with a, a woman in the States and she sneezed twice on the call mm-hmm. and she had to make sure she said, I, I have allergies <laughs> I don't have COVID and you're like, it, it's okay you're like 5,000 miles yeah. away so I'm not worried about Catching COVID, but uh, you know, great, good on you. But uh, yeah, you you kind of feel that if you sneeze or cough, you have to justify yourself in terms of of saying that you know I, it's just a cold, it's just a cold, it's fine. Like, You're not going to catch it. Well, you will, you, you will catch it. But, <laughs>
1: but not me. <laughs> it's, it's not COVID. <laughs> every um, every uh, every like every, almost every person I've seen since uh, Wednesday, I've had to say it's okay. I've had a PCR test. <laughs> like everybody, I think I could be walking past somebody in the office that I don't know and have a little cough and feel this urge to say, don't worry, i PCR test, I'm COVID negative.
0: <laughs> you should maybe just get a little badge or a sticker. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do that, that you have to say, I have had my PCR test.
1: It will come as no surprise to you, I'm sure, it may come as a surprise to some of our perhaps more conservative listeners that here in Dubai, quite a lot of businesses, like that are that either shops or bars or restaurants, Quite a lot of the staff have to wear T-shirts that say, I've been vaccinated.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice. Just
1: to put your mind at ease, you
0: know? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. They are aware you can still carry COVID if you've been vaccinated. Yeah, and
1: anybody anybody <laughs> can wear a T-shirt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How's that proof? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, I, I hope you're in the Christmas spirit. Hey, it was snowing in Amsterdam yesterday. Wow. We had a little bit of snow. It was lovely. I mean, it was the kind of shitty snow. It, it didn't lay on the ground right. or anything. Right. It just melted as soon as it hit. But yeah, it was still snowing. It was a winter wonderland for the 20 minutes that it snowed.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm not expecting any snow here. Um, but I know it's. I do know it's. I do know it's, no. I do know it's in the UK. Um, in certain places. So maybe, maybe it'll be a white Christmas. Maybe it will be.
0: Uh, so are you excited? It's our Christmas special I'm very excited It's that, the most wonderful, wonderful time of the year, yeah. of course
1: Well, and I thought, since it's Christmas, that I would uh, give us Maybe like a little, a little bit more of the shang story Because it happened at Christmas, Christmas past it,
0: Wow, <laughs> it's been quite a while um, I wonder if I've even got the jingle Let's have a look <laughs> Okay then, so that's the the dulcet tones of the Bay City ruler. So Greg, we're going to have a shang lang update. I think you're probably going to have to give us a quick refresh where
1: we were up to, yeah, because I, will do. I, I I think that it's been a while. It's been almost five months since <laughs> the last time we had a shang lang <laughs> update. So it was the year 2000, it was almost finished, it was December, it was the magical time between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve when it's perfectly acceptable to be drunk most of the time and socialize and and certainly that year I even though I was working in a restaurant I was pretty boozy most of the time whether I was within or without the restaurant um so you and me and our and our mutual friend, uh, we'd arranged to go for a few pints, and I think it was probably our favourite pub at the time in Aberdeen. The illicit still, maybe. Mm. I know that I, I, yeah. I know that we sort of drifted around, and we had fa- we had favourites that lasted a little while, but I feel that like we always drifted back to either the illicit still or Mac cameron's. Yeah, we hadn't made any plans beyond just going for a few pints in the illicit still. That was all we that was all we planned to do. Um, because at that age, I mean, I guess I was twenty two. You would have been 90 I think in two
0: thousand. Yeah, right? uh, yeah, yeah. it Would have been
1: our mutual friend. As the oldest was twenty three, so I think you know those days. As long as you, as long as you arranged a meeting point, that was that was all you needed. And then we would just let the night happen to us, whatever it would be, whatever it would be would be right. So after a few enjoyable hours in the still, uh, teasing her, her mutual friend, and getting angry with him when he attempted to avoid pain for a fucking round, uh, we started to talk about where should we go next? So where should these three young guys in the prime of our lives, at Christmas, uh, full of Stella, where should we go? So we decided to go to Scotland's only super club, at the time, (laughs) Amadeus at the Beach Boulevard. So when I was getting my notes together for... telling the story. I wanted to find out if Amadeus had ever been voted Scotland's Nightclub of the Year. So I could say we decided to go to Scotland's Nightclub of the Year 1998 but I couldn't find out. What I did find was an article in the Scotsman. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite long and it's not just about Amadeus but um, the article's called Nightclubbing the Death of the Scottish Superclub and it said Amadeus opened down on the beachfront in Aberdeen in August 1997 uh, by Corporation First Leisure, who ran Blackpool Tower in the Winter Gardens, amongst other things. Um, apparently, and I seem to remember this being true, more than Amadeus could hold more than two thousand one hundred people. It had five bars and a space on the dance floor that was dotted with podiums. And they reckon the stage moved up and down? I, I think it did, didn't it? I think the stage did no. it did not. In front of the DJ. I don't bit. remember that. Yeah, I don't think so I don't, I don't so. remember it either.
0: I don't remember that. No.
1: So Laura Hughes Who's now 40 Was hired as a bar staff member When the venue opened She was interviewed for this article by the Scotsman She said It was an amazing place The first of its kind To open in Aberdeen I just remember how busy it was I felt like everybody was coming to it For months and months and months It was packed out It was great working there The people were great It was a lot of fun I wonder if she was the girl That our other mutual friend Rattled in the cloakroom When he worked on Amadeus (laughs) I'll have to ask him Um (laughs) <laughs> Commercially, Amadeus tried to offer something for everyone. On Monday, it was student night with one pound pints, crates of diamond white, often served with blackcurrant. I don't think I ever drank diamond white in Amadeus. And free buses running no. to and from the halls of residence to secure the clientele. Thursday was 70s night. I do remember that, uh, Laura recalls. Mm-hmm. They had dancers up from Glasgow every week. They would get up in the podiums and we had this stage that moved up and down. It was quite a thing. I don't remember the stage moving up and down. If you
0: know, No, neither do I.
1: If, you know, if, you're, if you're listening and you do remember the stage going up and down, then by all means get in touch. Friday night was Classic Club and Disco. That would be our mutual friend's favourite night. Saturday was reserved for over 25s. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. And more discerning house music came on a Sunday with a DJ flown up from London. The five different drinking areas came in different themes and included the casino bar. I remember that. Mm-hmm. The Gothic bar, yeah. I don't remember the Gothic bar. Yeah,
0: was the Gothic bar? not the that was the one when you came in, wasn't it? Like you came in the door on the, and the right there was hand a bar side, right in front. Yeah, of you. maybe. Yeah. yeah, that was the Gothic bar, I think.
1: There was one called the Secret Garden. I don't remember that one. Was that the VIP area? Maybe. No, and then there was the VIP bar, which I do remember because we worked. We, we sometimes get in there on a the quiet night, you know.
0: Yeah. No. So it was the Gothic bar, and then remember you'd, you'd go up the stairs, and there was a seating area. And then you would go up more stairs and then through seating and VIP. Mm. And then there was a bar, a small bar at the end of yeah, there. Yeah, I do remember that, that. must have been the secret garden. Then you go down the stairs, there was Sizzlers yep. at the side, and then the casino bar yeah. in front of you.
1: I remember you would always end up, if you got in that was busy, you would just like troll around to see which bar had the shortest queue if they were all open, which yeah. After, yeah. after a while, it was very rare that they were all open. <laughs> yes, so, uh, yeah, so Laura just remembers how busy it was. Never got quiet, just serving drinks all night long. Um, but unfortunately, this the seaside funhouse <laughs> entered troubled water... <laughs> When First Ledger went into management bag out in 2000 and the company started to shed its nightclub's portfolio, the free buses stopped running. The 30-minute walk to the beach or the extra taxi fare and back meant that it started to lose its twinkle. Um, And unfortunately, in January 2003, the club shut down. I think it's like a... A sort of ikea type place now so so it so sort of brings me to my my point where you know we where should we go where should we go let's go to amadeus right but the problem with amadeus as i mentioned in the article well maybe not the only problem was that it was way down at the beach which meant that we would have to either walk down and i remember that december it was december is often chilly in aberdeen often mm. often snows and it's often icy but i seem to remember that december being particularly cold and, and pretty sure that we weren't up for walking down mm. and the thing is if we'd walked it would probably taken us about 20-30 minutes but anyway we opted to get a taxi the nearest rank to this it still was back wind next to the cemetery but absolutely packed so i suggested let's walk up to the d street rank because i knew that it wasn't near that many popular pubs like at the time Um it was close to where i lived so i walked past it a lot i remember that there was a bit of doubt from a mutual friend because you might have been a bit doubtful as well. But I insisted. So we headed up to Union Street at a cautious pace. Because it was slippery and stuff. Didn't want to turn up at Amadeus with like a wet arse. The rank was a wee bit busy. It was a bit busy, the rank. Which obviously gave our mutual friend an opportunity to give me pelters for suggesting it. The cunt. But it did, to my defence, it did seem to be moving faster. <laughs> then um, the back wind was moving. So as we stood there in the taxi queue, the freezing cold, Trying to keep our spirits up by taking a piss out of each other and our mutual friends, trying to attract the attention of other taxi rank patrons as he does, and um, trying to get himself an audience. I realised that I was absolutely bursting for a piss, and I could pretty much see like my building, and I was thinking to myself, "Do I have time to run up to the flat, have a quick slash, and get back before the boys?" get to the front of the taxi queue. And as I was thinking about doing that, a car came tearing down uh, from the direction of my flat and crashed into some bollards that were in front of a... There was a, a Chinese restaurant in the corner at the time. I think it was called Chinatown. So we craned our necks. What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? Uh, saw this middle-aged guy, clearly absolutely Upside down drunk lurch out of the car As it happened A taxi was just pulling up But I can only assume That the driver The taxi Didn't realise what Who the guy was Or what had happened Or he did He just didn't give a fuck Because the drunk guy Just jumped in the taxi And fucked off Jumping the queue So because we were only Maybe four or five People back From the front of the line we were like Full raging <laughs> About this guy Jumping the queue But because we we're Full of Stella We didn't quite realise, I think, the magnitude of what had happened and how it could have potentially been a lot more serious, right? If he had had taken a left, he'd have crashed into all the people in the queue. But more important than any of that, my bladder was ready to fucking explode by this point. So luckily, <laughs> a few cabs arrived all at once after that guy fucked off, and we managed to get him when we headed to the beach. Now, I don't remember talking about what had just happened on the journey. I do remember our mutual friend shouting shotgun like a maniac before I even realised that our taxi <laughs> was coming. You know, we were our taxi was there, uh, pretty much, because he's fucking 8 foot 5. He's, you know, like... <laughs> We would have always let him sit in the front because he's fucking the same height as Hulk Hogan, but he always felt the need to scream shotgun every time we went anywhere in a car if he wasn't driving. So I think we probably got to the club maybe 10 minutes or so later. I managed to have my piss, thank goodness, and I think probably the relief of that piss, was the best thing I got for Christmas <laughs> <laughs> that year. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: holding it in for what felt like hours. I, th- I think probably by this time, so this, 2000, I mean, that article, I think, was a bit generous about when the sheen of Amadeus started to fade. I feel like it was it started to fade a wee bit before this night out I'm describing.
0: Um, I mean, the Priory... Priory opened Christmas 2001. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the beginning of the end. And I'm not sure when Espionage opened. That was maybe the year after.
1: Espionage must have opened in either very late 2002 or early 2003, because it wasn't open when I lived in Aberdeen. And I, I moved away in September 2002. So
0: I think that was a big thing, because Aberdeen obviously is very much a, when a new place opens, everyone goes there. For sure. Um, and ditch is the last place, yeah. so yeah, Amadeus must have been on its arse by about then.
1: It's at a disadvantage. in that There's no pub. Oh, well, I suppose there was Heroes was next to it, but you know there was. You, you, yeah, you, you couldn't go to a few pubs and then just walk to Amadeus like you could the Friday or Espionage or whatever else that was open at the time. Uh,
0: I mean, I guess you could have. I mean, you would have had to have gone to like TGI Fridays, which didn't have a massive bar yeah. area. Then you could have gone to Sunset. Boulevard, then Heroes <laughs> and then Amadeus, but it's, it's a bit of a shit <laughs> I pub was say,
1: oh, uh, Worst uh, night uh, out ever. <laughs>
0: maybe Cafe Continental for a <laughs>
1: A a quick pint? Do you remember people used to refer to Cafe Continental as Cafe Cuntinawful in Aberdeen?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay, we can talk about it because it mysteriously burnt down a few years ago and something else is there now. So
0: Yeah, that was very mysterious, wasn't it?
1: So, yeah. So, obviously, by this time, like I mentioned, I think the novelty club, the novelty factor, rather, of the club has kind of worn off a bit. I don't remember it being... Particularly busy, but it was kind of busy enough to make us think, ah, oh, you know, maybe like a few mm-hmm. hundred people, maybe a couple hundred people. Uh, I remember going and buying a round of whatever pish beer was cheap, probably Carlsberg <laughs> or something, that like Fosters or something. Yeah. And then the three of us got up onto the mezzanine floor which afforded us a good view of the dance floor because, you know, we're young men and we were most likely looking for the young ladies to spend the evening with. And I remember our mutual friends dragged us up to dance to build me up Buttercup by the foundations which I noticed he had made up his own little dance routine too. It's probably worth mentioning that I think we were all pretty loose at this point. I know I was probably a bit looser than both of you guys because I didn't take any persuading to climb up onto the stage where the DJ booth was and beg the DJ to play Let's Get Ready to Rumble by PJ and Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) It was only after he threatened to physically throw me off the stage that I... uh, So... After, after pressure our mutual friend for the umpteenth time of the night to stand his fucking hand at the bar, we went back to our vantage point to cool down a bit while the DJ played fucking Aqua or some shit. And it was at that point you tapped me in the shoulder and pointed to a young lady wearing a fetching tartan skirt and strutting her stuff on the dance floor. I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> So it's just a bit more. A bit more. I,
0: I know one listener in particular that is going to be begging me for more information <laughs> after you've left it there. <laughs> which
1: we'll have to just will have to just listen to the um the, the next time we talk about it on the podcast.
0: Yeah, which will probably be Christmas next year. Yeah, <laughs> we should make up a, a pledge. Well, we'll just throw it in at random. But I think we'll we'll make sure we do a, a Shang-A-Lang update yeah. again in the near future. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, Greg. That was just absolutely brilliant. Okay. Uh, well, now we've had the shang lion Christmas present. Shall we have a look at the news?
1: Let's look at the news. Cue the jingle. Cue the jingle bells. <laughs> Hello. This is the Outdoor Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation.
0: And here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, Uh, so what have you seen this week um, in the lovely world of Scotland that has tickled your fancy?
1: Well, my first story um, comes from the Scottish Sun on the 2nd of December of this year. The headline reads, despair, in capital letters. Uh, Fife hubby gutted with wife bending his bagpipes after voodoo doctor (laughs) told her he was cheating. So this is uh, (laughs) Ian Stewart, 78, or... To give me his full title, gutted Ian Stewart, seventy-eight, <laughs> says his missus Jovi, fifty-eight, got messages from the grave that he'd been cheating on her with women from his hometown. The four times married dad, who is adamant he remained faithful, blasted, <laughs> "She's got these bloody voodoo messages that I was bonking just about on a in a skirt in Kirkcudbright, and she threw, and she threw me out." Uh, his son Simon, twenty-four. Went to collect his belongings after he'd been sent packing by his Filipino missus, who he met, who he wed in 2012, nine years after they met. But when he got there. It's claimed Jovi told him she'd thrown out the bagpipes, and it emerged that bin men had taken them away on November the 25th before Ian had a chance to recover them. He's asked waste bosses to help out, and now he's offering a £500 reward for their return. Ian added, I couldn't find words bad enough to describe how I feel about what she's done. When you throw somebody's pipes away, that's blood. I can see us, I can't see us getting together after this. I'm in utter despair. I can't keep it up. These pipes mean a great deal to me. I play purely for recreation and entertainment, and my pipes have given a lot of people quite a lot of pleasure. When I heard they'd been binned, I was in a hell of a state. I immediately got in touch with 5 Coonsol and I really hope they can be found. I'm offering a £500 reward to anybody who finds them. His current set has traveled the world with him during spells working in Africa and Asia. He lost his previous pipes, During a car accident in Iraq Now where it says during a car accident They've put quotation marks Like the reporter doesn't really believe (laughs) That that's how he lost his pipes in Iraq (laughs) He claims He claims to have lost his previous pipes During a car accident in Iraq And replaced them with the latest ones In 1980 So he's had them for a long time Other incidents during decades of playing Include his bag bursting (laughs) And Sorry. Hey, other incidents during decades of playing include his bag bursting in Zambia and his blowpipe being thrust into his throat <laughs> by an out-of-control lady doing an achesum reel in Iraq.
0: That's how his second marriage ended.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they put, they put. Quotation marks there as well He claims by an out of control lady The bagpipes are in a green canvas bag With black Velcro straps So I think fucking really distinctive But it looks unlikely Ian will ever see the pipes again after Five Council sent a tweet to him saying, So sorry Ian, but unfortunately your bagpipes will have been processed within 24 hours after they were uplifted. We'll keep an eye out for them, but it's very unlikely they'll be found now. So if you do come across a set of bagpipes... If if you're trawling through the tip in Kirkcaldy or Dunfermline, you may be able to earn yourself £500 from a despairing, gutted Ian.
0: I do feel sorry for poor Ian. It's um, a shame he's lost his pipes. Uh, Okay, so it's his fourth marriage. He's married a a Filipino bride 20 years younger than he is. Good on you, Ian. But, um... Do you think he's been shagging his neighbours in Kerkotti? He's
1: been he's been bonking all these women in Kerkotti. I don't
0: know Ken. I mean, it's, so a, a voodoo doctor told her. Yeah. It, where where does Ian live? Where, is he living in Kerkotti? Is that the? It's not
1: clear whether it's kind of it's a bit vague. These details. There's a picture of Ian standing in a field, squeezing his bag with his blowpipe in his mouth. <laughs> um, playing the bagpipes. Come on, get. Take it out of the gutter. There's a picture of Ian's wife holding the arm of a man. I assume it's a man. You can't see him. She doesn't look very really happy. Maybe maybe, maybe that's a picture of her watching Ian playing the pipes. I don't know. Do
0: you think she just hated the bagpipes and just thought this was a good excuse to get rid of it? I mean, it's an elaborate excuse.
1: Yeah.
0: A voodoo doctor has told me, you're shagging women from Kerkoddy, <laughs> so I'm throwing out your bagpipes. <laughs>
1: He said I mean just to come back To what he said He's quoted his saying She got these Bloody voodoo messages That I was bonking Just about anything In a skirt in Kirkcaldy And she threw me out so, I guess they're living in Kirkdy because his son was able to go to the house to collect. yeah, it must be because it's it's five council that picked the bagpipes up, so they must yeah, so they're obviously living there, yeah. and
0: I, i'm I'm sorry, how old is he in? seven seven eight. so and she thinks he's shagging anything in a skirt in Kirkkotti.
1: maybe including some of the guys in the pipe band. <laughs> <I have> some... <laughs> 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 no idea I mean, the thing I suppose the thing about the sound of bagpipes is I know that for non-Scots and probably a few Scots as well, although they might not admit it, the sound of bagpipes can be quite polarizing. You know, for us, hmm. you know, it, you know, for us, the pipes played well can maybe bring a little tear to the eye if we're far from home or whatever. But to some people, it's just a racket, <laughs> you know? I, w- I would say exactly as you've said, for me, if I hear pipes
0: played well, just the, the first few bars, it's a it's more of a swell of the heart yeah yeah i feel it kind of in my chest just uh oh god that's a that's just wonderful mm. uh, yeah i mean i like the bagpipes but yeah i know what you mean if they're played badly then it yeah, can be yeah. fucking horrendous but i think if if bagpipes are played well and now that i'm thinking about it that is actually quite a quite an in-demand skill because you know every kind of scottish wedding and stuff needs a piper and you often see i know in Dubai, and I think I've seen it in Amsterdam as well, people looking for a piper Mm -hmm. for a Burns night or St. Andrew's night or... You know, a wedding It's not a bad idea, actually It's gonna be learn the bagpipes I, I wonder how difficult it
1: is I think you, you need quite a lot of puff, I think, don't you? I mean, I've, I've never, ever tried I've never, I mean, I've, I've, I've had I, mean, I say, When I say I've tried a lot of musical instruments I don't mean I've tried to learn them But I've, like, plunked a string Or pressed a key or whatever Or bagpipes, I've never, ever I've never had a go at, ever
0: You've never had a, a chanter in your mouth And had a good blow on it?
1: <laughs> never, never had anybody's blowpipe in my mouth I'd
0: be too scared. I'd burst my bag.
1: (laughs) Yeah, quite. (laughs) So, so yeah. Like as I say, I mean, if you go to the Scottish Sun's article about this, there's a picture of uh, Ian playing the pipes, and and just behind them, to the left, there's a picture of the green canvas bag that his uh, pipes come in. So you never know. Somebody might find them. 500 pound of them.
0: I I hope yeah I hope your pipes turn up Ian I really do.
1: So that's my first story not very fa- not very fast not very festive but my my I think my next one's quite festive. So what's your first story this week?
0: Ah uh, okay so my first story this week also comes from the Scottish Sun uh, from earlier this week and the headline I I, I think they're kind of pushing it with this headline really but I see what they're trying to do. Cata lagu fury <laughs> and lag is emphasised. So this is about a a moaning lag, which is a prisoner, um, for those not familiar with the term lag, so it's a moaning Scots prisoner, has complained that he misses browsing the Argos catalogue. Now, I should probably explain for our overseas listeners, because I know we have a few. Hello, Henry in Canada. Hello, Alf in New Zealand. Uh, Hello to all of our overseas listeners. Hello, Willie in the UAE. (laughs) Um, We, in the UK, there was a a shot, I think it's still going, Argos, but it was, uh, they would come out with this catalogue and it would be like a big hefty 700 page catalogue would come out spring, summer autumn winter and you basically would just browse this catalogue and it had a whole host of items in terms of it would you know jewellery was a big thing Um, it would have you know household goods kettles toasters it would have sports equipment um, but what Greg and I probably would have liked the most in our youth was they had a fucking massive section on toys at the back so as a kid this was literally like the book of dreams mm. you would sit And you would just go through the Argos catalogue looking at all the the He-Man toys, all the Transformers, all the Ghostbusters figures, and like wishing what you wanted for Christmas. And, and you know, showing your mum and dad, like, you know, oh look, they've got this, this is coming out. Now, when you went into the Argos store, they didn't actually have anything really in the store. So you had to fill out this number that was in the catalogue, queue at the till, and at Christmas time, You'd often have to queue for about fucking half an hour. Oh, at least. And uh, then you'd get to the till and the surly Saturday girl would take your card, punch in the number into the computer and then say, oh, sorry, it's out of stock. know, and, uh, and you've been waiting half an hour just to find out if you can get your Optimus Prime mm. or your Stay puff Marshmallow Man that you really want for Christmas. No, it's out of stock. And no indication of, oh, it'll be back in in a week, or we'll get it in this. Just, that was it. You've just wasted the last fucking half hour of your life queuing in this queue, and all you get is, right, next. However, if they did have it in stock, then you would pay your money there, then you would go and wait, and it would come down in a big conveyor belt, and you could then... Get your thing and, and leave. In later years, as technology advanced, they did have little keyboards that you could go in and punch in the item code number and it would tell you if they had it in stock. And then you would fill out your form and then go and pay the woman. So, yeah, it, it advanced, thankfully. And I'm sure now you can just literally check online and then go and click and collect. This is uh, so that's Argos for our
1: overseas <laughs> yes. listeners.
0: So, uh, you're getting a real insight into Amadeus and Argos. <laughs> On the next episode, I'll next episode of the Swahili we will concentrate on the letter B. (laughs) So um, this prisoner has Whinged about uh, not being able to have access to the retail giant's range behind bars. He blasted the, the ridiculous prices of gadgets available to inmates at Los Nick in Bishop Briggs. Uh, so he wrote into the prison magazine, I, <laughs> "Fucking prison magazine! I didn't know these things existed. They're like a newsletter that they send round the cells every month." Uh, it, I'm surprised about podcasts. Um, he revealed he was jealous because apparently prisoners in English jails are allowed to browse and buy from the whole Argos catalogue. The catalogue oh, nicknamed the Book of Dreams uh, was scrapped last year so I didn't realise that Argos have actually scrapped the the catalogue but a special version is is still printed inside the prison magazine and the prison magazine is called Inside Time (laughs) which is fucking brilliant (laughs) And uh, they're able to browse this uh, Argos catalogue and they can order their goods and gizmos. In this bizarre rant, the inmate wrote, We have no access to catalogues and don't even know what the items we are buying look like until they arrive. We wait weeks and weeks for items, only be disappointed when they arrive. After reading Inside Time's Argos listing section, I have become rather envious of prisoners in <laughs> other jails, see, seeing the wide range of electronics and domestic goods available online for purchase. What the fuck? You want to purchase a fucking handheld Dyson to hoover yourself or something, <laughs> mate? The whining con. I love that. The whining. also claimed the jail was not offering a big enough range of tech and other products. He added, I'm currently residing in a new style establishment that seems to be stuck in the past. Electrical items are very limited. There's only one watch on the list. Why the fuck do you need to tell the time? You're in prison. I think they tell the time for (laughs) you in there. They only have a choice of two DAB radios, (laughs) one of which costs a ridiculous price and would cost half in England. Uh, so yeah, the, the first Argos catalogue was published in 1972. At the height of its popularity, it was the most printed publication in Europe, with more than a billion copies produced before it was axed in July 2020. A spokesman for the Scottish Prison Service says that it does not comment on individual prisoners. <laughs> I uh, th- There's so much of this article, I didn't realise, honestly I'd skimmed it before the Swally, I didn't realise that they have their own magazine called Inside Time. <laughs>
1: I'd like to know what some of the contributions are in Inside Time Like how to make vodka in your toilet (laughs) Do
0: you think they've got a dear Deirdre section as well (laughs) I was molested in the shower and (laughs) I don't know what to do
1: Dear Deirdre, I was was coming out of the Peters the other day When I passed somebody who I thought was my friend Imagine my surprise when he ripped open my cheek with a razor blade melted into a toothbrush Now I'm not sure how to feel about (laughs) them.
0: So this is the complaint we have now, in people in prison, that they they can't order the items they want. Household goods? What the fucking household goods? I can understand a radio or a TV or something, but what's he wanting? A toaster for his cell or something? Where's he getting the bread from? Um, (laughs) Unless he gets a bread maker as well, then... (laughs) (laughs) But the prices are too ridiculous.
1: Prison bread.
0: I know as a kid, for me, it was always a monumental occasion, the Argos catalogue coming out. As soon as you saw the TV advert... Mum, we need to go into town. We need to get a new Argos catalogue. And I, w- the hours I would spend poring over this catalogue, just looking at all the toys. I mean, I particularly remember, you know, the He-Man and Ghostbusters figures, Transformers. And then as it later developed, computer games mm-hmm. that were coming out. And it, oh, it was just wonderful. Loved the Argos catalogue
1: somebody scanned in copies of the old Argos catalog online you can you can look at like Argos catalog 1982 or 1984 or whatever and
0: I will put a link in the the, the um if you look on the description of this podcast I'll put a link to uh, one of the old Argos catalogs yeah. online so um, some of our listeners can just see
1: what it was. Yeah. I mean, I remember as well that when you went in... Because in the shop, they obviously, they also had the catalogs set up, but there were big laminated sort of ring binder versions mm. of the catalogs. And every now and again, they would put like a wee... Installment in with some new stuff that wasn't in the catalogue. Yeah. So like you might have been, you might, mm-hmm. you might have sort of memorized all the pages in the catalogue with everything that you wanted on them. Then you go into the shop and there would be this something with something new that obviously had come in after the print of the of the catalogue. Yeah, it's cracking. Do you know what? I mean, I can remember, <laughs> I can remember the the thrill because remember, like when we were kids, like parents and grandparents would have magazine racks. In the living room Where they keep the papers Or magazines or whatever Well sometimes I would find Like an old copy Of the Argos catalogue From like a year or two before Hmm. In my granny's one And it was just as Good. It was just as much fun to kind of pour through it and because two years when you're a kid is, it might as well be fucking 10 years. You're a completely different person in two years t- when you're a kid, right? From what you were to the two years later. Yeah. The old book of dreams. Like, I'm, I'm no sort of right wing, well, you know, they should be punished, but, you know, surely if you go to prison, you must be expecting <laughs> that most of your. The things that bring you pleasure As a free person Are going to be denied to you That's part of what it's like Part of, I mean, I, If I imagine people in prison I imagine Staying out of trouble Trying to not get molested Reading lots of books and maybe learning how to draw or, you know, or doing like a, doing your GCSEs or something when you're like 42 <laughs> or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I don't imagine like a Cassell packed out with fucking DAB radios and televisions and, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Maybe I watch too much porridge. <laughs> yeah.
0: Guys going to have their dinner with dripping in Elizabeth Duke jewelry, yeah. sovy rings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Elizabeth Duke (laughs) jewellery That was the the
0: name of the the jeweller at Argos Elizabeth Duke Um, And it was quite a big section of the (laughs) catalogue The front section It was all this jewellery And it was just all absolute fucking tat Like, I'm sure I used to buy my sister Like Elizabeth Duke necklaces for Christmas or something Because they cost like 12 quid (laughs) um, (laughs) With like a little dolphin on it or something Gold plated Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Yeah, yeah Gold-plated, yeah. I think it would uh, turn your fingers green. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's my first story. I just thought it was nice and interesting in terms of the book of dreams. Okay, so what else have you seen this week, Greg?
1: Well, my next article was a Christmas article. Um, For a change, we won't be having a laugh at anyone's misfortune Which I know is a bit of a change of pace Here on The Culture of Swally But it says more than one in ten Scots Say their favourite Christmas tradition is watching Die Hard Mm -hmm. One in ten But according to the poll, So the poll's been done for Mary's Meals 67% of Scots say that Christmas dinner is their favourite tradition Decorating the Christmas tree was favoured by 52% I mean, I fucking hate Decorating the Christmas tree. I mean, luckily, I've got two quite old daughters and a wife who enjoy it, so I can avoid it altogether. For 12% it was a Christmas works night out and nearly a third said that they loved eating leftovers. Uh, The Scotland based charity Mary's Meals which provides more than 2 million children with a nutritious meal every school day in 19 of the world's poorest uh, countries commissioned the poll. Each December the charity holds a virtual Christmas dinner called Big Family Christmas to raise funds to feed even more hungry children. Last year over 9,000 people around the world took part in the fundraiser. More than McGilvery. A supporter engagement manager at Mary's Meals said, Every year I set a place at the Mary's Meals virtual Christmas dinner for my mum, and she sets one for my brother, and for myself it has become a family tradition. This year I'm extending that Christmas tradition to include a place at the table for the star of Die Hard, John McLean. And as he famously says in the film, Welcome to the party, pal! In return for a donation of £16, pounds, enough to feed a child with Mary's Meals for a whole school year, people can take part in the big family Christmas. They'll receive a to print at home, and their name or the name of a loved one will appear on the charity's virtual dinner table alongside names from across the world, including the die-hard hero. This year, Mary's Meals will benefit from a match-funding campaign double the above. So we've got. Two Christmas traditions in our house. The first one is we always watch Home Alone on the 23rd of December. We always watch Home Alone 2 on Christmas Eve. And we always have a reclette for dinner on Christmas Eve. What Christmas traditions do you have, Nicky?
0: Um We don't really have a lot, I would say. Um, we put our tree up last... I say we. My wife put our tree up last weekend. Um she's a big fan of Christmas. So last Saturday night we watched Home Alone. Right. Or as as my wife calls it, Kevin is Home Alone because that was that was what it was called in Germany. Oh, right. <laughs> so my personal Christmas tradition is I watch Die Hard. Right. Every Christmas. Out last night walking the dog with my wife and said, "Right, well, what are we going to watch tonight?" Uh, do you want to watch a film? And she yeah, yeah, can we watch a Christmas film? I said, well, yeah, well, you picked Home Alone last week. So why don't I pick a Christmas film this week? Straight away, I'm not watching Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, why not? It's not a Christmas film. I'm like, it fucking is a Christmas film. I said, Die Hard's more of a Christmas film than Home Alone is. No, it's not. So then we had a bit of back and forth. She's like, well, no, but there's not a tree I said, yes, there is. A massive tree in Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, There's no party. I said, yeah, that's the whole point. It's a Christmas party. They're having their Christmas party. when There's no snow. I said, yes, it snows at the end. Um, She said, well, well, there's no guns in Home Alone. I said, well, there is, because Kevin's got a little BB gun, so there are. And then it just got down to, there's no bald people in Home
1: Alone.
0: (laughs) 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 Anyway, I'm not going to be able to convince my wife to watch Die Hard. Um, she suggested well why don't i watch home alone 2 i said well why don't I watch die hard 2 that's also set at christmas time that didn't go down And there's well.
1: definitely snow in die hard 2 there's loads of snow
0: there is yeah there's loads of snow so uh my christmas tradition is that i watch die hard mm-hmm. so i will be watching that at some point other than that i don't know nothing really i mean we usually the last couple of years we've had mulled wine whilst we've also been putting the tree up but we didn't do it this year We I didn't realise We didn't have any right. And then it was that couldn't be ours. Going out to the shop To get Nothing much I mean we now Tend to open our presents On the 24th Because as I say, My wife's German yeah. So that's the tradition So on the 25th I Wake up And nothing to open Because we've opened it On the 24th do
1: you know, like Do you not keep yourself A one week yeah. gift back Just for the little Christmas day open
0: No I haven't um, In recent years Just getting done yeah. getting them opened That's it It's
1: <laughs> out of the way <laughs> Just get it done. You know that, You know that. I mean, I agree with you. I think Die Hard is a coming class, a Christmas film, but it's not the best Christmas film. Mm. The best Christmas film is Gremlins.
0: No, I, Gremlins is probably my number two. Is
1: it? I, love, I, I like Gremlins. Because mm. um, we, were, we were, my wife and my daughters put her tree up on, because it's been a holiday here this week, it's been National Day. So the girls had Wednesday and Thursday off school. So they put the tree up, and my youngest daughter wanted to watch a Christmas film on Wednesday night. So we ended up watching Elf, which is still good fun, Elf. Mm. I, I, I can. I only have to watch it once a year. I know. I must know every line in it by now because it's one that we tend to watch every year at some point. But I always enjoy it. So you've got another story for us, haven't you, this week?
0: I do. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not Christmas related, but I do have something Christmassy related afterwards. So this is my second story, and it is from the Scottish Sun this week, and the headline is "Get Their Kirks." Uh, so this is a porn star couple who have been slammed for shooting an X-rated romp in an historic Greyfriars Kirkyard. Rachel McIntyre and Josh Duncan, both 32, shared footage of themselves laughing and having sex against a headstone. Disgusted locals said the hardcore scenes were completely unacceptable and the Edinburgh tourist attraction which features a memorial to Greyfriars Bobby, you sick fucking cunts. <laughs> uh, but, but Rachel, who charges £10 a month to access her explicit content on OnlyFans. When are we getting our OnlyFans, Greg? We've been threatening that for ages. We, we never got round to it. They have told the Scottish Sun on Sunday, we don't see it as disrespectful. It happens all the time in the graveyard. It's just that most people don't film it. <laughs> It's natural to have sex, including to the people in that graveyard. What? The people that are dead?
1: Well, have sex with. You the only
0: have one life.
1: Well, should had been fine. I do not know No. There.
0: No, no, I don't think so. Her quote is, it's natural to have sex, including to the people in that graveyard. I think she means not with the people, but to, as in, it's, it's natural for those dead people to have sex. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know where she's going with this, Greg, to be quite honest. Right. You only have one life, so you might as well live it. It's the best job I have ever had. What, fucking having sex against a gravestone? In a 39 seconds social media teaser for the the film they've called is called Graveyard Smash. <laughs> Um, It features a shot of the Edinburgh couple before cutting to their after-dark tryst. Uh, The couple, who live in Leith, can then be seen laughing before walking hand-in-hand from the sea. Uh, It ends with a plug for their page, which boasts... 969 photographs, 46 videos and 18,000 likes. So, uh, Rachel claimed that her porn work brings in £2,000 a month and that Josh has been able to give up his job as a security worker. (coughs) But she said of her graveyard romp, my mum will be horrified as she's quite religious. (sighs) Uh, (laughs) so, So, this graveyard is site to a home of a granite memorial to... Legendary sky terrier Greyfriars Bobby Reg. who guarded his owner John Graves uh John Grey's grave for 14 years. The iconic statue of the pooch is situated near the Old Town Church and the cemetery's entrance. Now that's quite central, because I've been to the statue quite a few times. In fact, the last time I went to Edinburgh with my wife, we went and saw the statue and my wife rubbed his nose, which I I don't think you're meant to do now, because it was all coming off and stuff. Uh, Anyway, so uh, yeah, thousands of visitors um, each year head to this graveyard where, where, ah, oh, JK Rowling used names from those gravestones in her Harry Potter novels That's right, yeah Yeah, so I hope she doesn't use any names from Graveyard Smash <laughs> in her next book But if she does, then it's Rachel McIntyre and Josh Duncan So if those characters pop up in J.K. Rowling's next book Then you'll know that she's taken inspiration from Graveyard Smash <laughs> <laughs> And she's watching grave porn Um <laughs> Uh, Come on, this is pretty disrespectful. There's plenty of places you can film your OnlyFans content. Why have you got to do it in a fucking graveyard next to a poor little terrier's memorial? That's just sick. I don't like that. I hope they get some sort of, not disease, but some sort of thing off the, the gravestones.
1: I mean, I can honestly say I've never had an urge have sex in the cemetery i'm not a vet i, mean, I quite like a, a walk through a nice cemetery this is quite a, it's quite peaceful it's quite ca- in fact when i was back in scotland in um september i had a little wander through the cemetery in come an old village one morning I, I was trying to walk off a bit of a hangover to be honest but you know but the, the thought of having sex in the cemetery like on a grave or against a gravestone i mean it's rank that's horrible that's just- it's weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just couldn't do that. It's just bloody perverted. Anyway, uh, best luck to them. I hope Graveyard Smash does well. Maybe we'll review it in a, a later episode of The Swally if we start running out of stuff. Maybe we'll put it out as a bonus episode.
1: Yeah, a p- Patreon episode <laughs> for perverts.
0: <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, that's my second story. Um, the, the last thing I did have was there was an article last week in the Daily Record which was... The twelve of the best Scottish jokes to rival this year's Christmas crackers. Alright, okay. So this is effectively Scottish jokes that could be in a Christmas cracker. Now, some of them are shite, but I will tell you some of the best ones.
1: Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready.
0: Okay. This is a this is a very famous one, of course. It's what's the difference between Bing Crosby and Walt Disney? <laughs> what? Bing sings and Walt Disney. <laughs> Did you hear about the jobby that couldn't sing? No. It just sat there humming. (laughs) Yeah, bad. What did the Siamese twins from Glasgow call their autobiography? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Urbally After announcing he was getting married, a man tells his pal that he'll be wearing a kilt to his wedding. Oh, And what's the tartan? Asks his mate. Oh, she'll be wearing a white dress, he replies. (laughs) That's a bit of a crap one. Oh, fucking
1: hell.
0: And uh, and the last one that I would say is, um, How's the flat you're living in in Manchester, Angus? Asks his mother, when he calls home to Aberdeen. Uh, It's okay, he replies, but the woman next door keeps screaming and crying all night, and the guy on the other side keeps banging his fists on the wall. Never mind, says his mother. Don't let them get to you. Just ignore them. Aye, I'll do that, says Angus. I just keep playing my bagpipes.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's sort of on topic on topic this week. <laughs>
0: it is, but a poor one to end on. Yeah. I should have ended on the poor <laughs> yeah, <should> <laughs>
1: Definitely definitely should have.
0: Oh yeah, I'm glad that I don't think I've heard that one no, before.
1: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh,
0: okay. Oh, right, uh, anything else from your side, Greg? Mm. Or does that round up the news for our Christmas That's
1: special? rounds up the news for our Christmas extravaganza.
0: Right, fantastic. Well, I can tell you are itching to get to what we're going to be talking about. So uh, let's just have a little word from our sponsors and then we can get cracking. Take a fresh approach to selling Christmas hampers. Be a country hamper agent and earn high commission selling from our exciting range of products, including our unique fresh hampers. For details, write to Country Hampers, Free Post, Kirkliston, West Lothian, or phone
1: 031-333-3981 now
0: okay so it was your choice well actually we chose them together yeah. I would say Greg in terms of what we we're going to be doing for the festive uh, period but uh, I know that you were very excited about this so which is why we have handed this one over to you so why don't you tell us I can't believe I'm going to say that, what we're going to be speaking <laughs> about on this today
1: well I'll give a little background first of all so like, <laughs> we obviously you and I have been, have been discussing uh, had been discussing rather like a a couple of weeks ago. What should we do for a Christmas special? So last year we did we did Comfort and Joy for Christmas, the Bill, Bill mm. for, the Bill Patterson starring Bill for movie, which is still available whenever you get your podcast. Uh, and then for Hug or Hug Manet episode, we did Scotch and Rye. So I had made a joke on Twitter or Instagram saying, um, you know, get send us your suggestions of anything you'd like us to cover. I'm hoping it's something. With the crankies in it. And I kinda of meant it as a bit of a throwaway, like silly joke. Never imagining for a second that <laughs> <But laughs> moments well, maybe not moments, but not long later, I would get a WhatsApp message from you with a link to the Crankies Club Night Christmas special from 1983. <laughs> so after watching it. And it's not very long, I think it's about 30-40 minutes. I went down a bit of a Cranky's black hole and ended up watching quite a lot of Cranky's stuff. So, we're going to be talking about the aforementioned Cranky's Club Christmas special. And it features, apart from the eponymous duo of uh, Wee Jimmy and Ian Cranky, there is Barbara Dixon, Scottish singer, David Grant, who... Struggling to recall if I'm honest A band called Modern Romance A bizarre puppet Show called Peppy and the Gang That I don't remember From being a kid but, but when I fell down That sort of Cranky's Vortex they seemed to come up on fucking everything That I watched them in. I don't know if uh, Maybe Ian and yeah. Ian and Jeanette had a Few quid invested in Peppy and the Gang Maybe I don't know who else Germany uh, Cricket is also there Uh, Bernie Winters, I believe. Um, It is very much of its time, I think. (laughs) Um, The Crankies are perhaps one of the few light entertainment acts from the 1980s that it's still okay to talk about because no (laughs) horrific secrets from their past have come out of the closet and either had them thrown in jail or at the very least... Cancelled, and I'll be honest. Like when I was a little boy of around four to maybe seven years old, I absolutely fucking loved the Crankies. Loved them. What about you? Were you a, were you a Crankies fan as a as a youth? Oh yeah, I
0: I, I loved the Crankies. Um. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're obviously going to explain the premise of the Crankies yeah, to our listeners that are not familiar with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think as a as a kid growing up in in Scotland, I mean, my my heroes were probably Mr T and the Ghostbusters. But realistically, as a young Scottish boy, the three kind of heroes, not heroes as such, but the kind of the three people you aspire to be like were the aforementioned Urwilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Dennis the Menace yeah. and and we Jimmy Cranky.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like
0: really? That was the kind of three that you know, it was they're all kind of like cheeky, naughty little boys, and that was the, the kind of thing that you you laughed at and you you kind of thought, oh I could be like them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I fucking love the crankies. I mean this went out in 1983, so I I don't remember watching it live, no. but I can pretty much guarantee because I'd have only been two years old. I I can pretty much guarantee I probably did watch this live. I guarantee my mum probably sat me down in front of this because it's one of my early memories. I was watching the Crankies. Mm -hmm. So I can pretty much say for a cert I probably did watch this when it went out, but I obviously got no memory of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't remember watching it either. At the time But there's a good chance That I definitely did So I think our overseas listeners Are getting a real education in this episode They've learned about Amadeus They've learned about Argos They're about to learn About the Crankies (laughs) So the Crankies are They're a double act Light entertainment Variety Cabaret style Double act They're a married couple uh, called Jeanette and Ian Tuch. It's spelt tough. I think it's pronounced Tuch. Yeah, I think, yeah, we Tuch. Um, Jeanette is only about four foot eight. Ian is, he looks to be a regular sized man. Um, They met in the late 1960s when Jeanette was uh, dancing in a company in the pavilion in Glasgow. Ian was uh, an electrician. Or A labourer or something working in the theatre. Apparently, he he romanced Jeanette by throwing sweets at her. <laughs> it seemed to work. They decided to put an act together and they worked in the clubs, sort of club circuit, and mainly in Scotland in the 1970s. Another comedian suggested to them having a gimmick for their act, and so they came up with the character of Wee Jimmy Cranky, played by Jeanette, obviously, because she's only four foot eight and as a As a woman, she could pass herself off as a little boy, no stubble, etc. And the first... They first came to like prominence after performing at a variety show for the Queen Mother. And in the early nineteen eighties I would say it well it feels when I think back that the crankies were on everything. So there there, there, there yeah. used to be A, a kind of weekly uh light entertainment show for kids that was on the BBC on a Friday called Crackerjack, and it had been on since like the nineteen fifties. And when I remember watching it and it was um it was the crankies were on all the time, it was hosting hosted by Stuart. Uh, Stuart Francis Stu Francis mm. and the Crankies were always on and I used to look forward to Cracker Jack, I loved it they would end up getting their own TV shows like the Crankies Club, uh, this is the this is the Christmas edition that we're about to talk about, uh, the Crankies electronic comic was another one, mm. Crankies TV came a bit later on when I was about six, when mum and dad separated, my mum took me to see the Crankies at the pavilion in Glasgow, um, she claims that Bobby Davro was their opening act, I I do remember there was a stand up comedian. I couldn't I couldn't like convincingly say it was Bobby Davro. It might have been. If you were at that show <laughs> you can remember, then let us know. My mum will argue you down that it definitely was, but I just remember it being a fucking brilliant night, laughing a lot, being really jealous of all the kids at the front because there was like like sort of cubs and scouts that were sitting at the front, and every now and again the crankies would get a few of them up on stage to play a game or participate in a sketch or something, and uh, they always gave them like uh, prizes, you know, and I was always really jealous because we couldn't afford those good seats to sit up in the in the gods, but. uh yeah. A really bizarre act, to be honest. So Jeanette plays we Jimmy Cranky, a bit of a Dennis the Menace type character. Ian, I guess, is the straight man, if you like. The sort of hmm. the kinda the kinda foil, um the brunt of Jimmy's jokes and antics. It's very I mean there's nothing nasty about <laughs> any of the humour, really. Some of the humour is perhaps a wee bit dated now. <laughs> um yeah, some of the some of the stuff probably wouldn't fly <laughs> in these enlightened times.
0: No, a, a lot of it is kind of harmless jokes and puns. I mean, even watching this episode, and I haven't delved down the Cranky's rabbit hole to watch too much more, um, because I guess I did not want a cloud mm-hmm. kind of my memory of this. So once we've finished recording, I might go and watch a couple of other things, but there's a couple of jokes for the adults yeah. in the show. I can think of one in particular. There's a couple of, yeah, there's a slightly racist joke (laughs) in there as well, which which wouldn't fly nowadays. But on the whole, it is kind of wholesome family entertainment. And it it is just this wee boy kind of being a cheeky little so-and-so. And And you can get away with it because he's a little boy. Yeah. But of course he's not. He's a 40-odd-year-old woman dressed up as a little boy <laughs> um the one thing i and i can't I, I did delve into this and some things you read say ian portrayed a father figure to jimmy yeah other things do say ian is jimmy's father mm-hmm. but i i haven't been able to get that confirmed which the actual case is and i can't remember like i always presumed ian was his dad but if not and he's just a father figure. Like, is is he a pedo? Or... <laughs> is he a pedo? Why would he be a pedo? Well, if he's not Jimmy's father, why is he hanging around with a schoolboy?
1: <laughs> Maybe he's his guardian. Maybe Jimmy's an orphan. Well, could be. Maybe there's a whole tragic backstory know. there. Maybe he uses his cheeky humour as a way of masking his true feelings.
0: You know what? I'm going to drop that angle. I'm not going to make the Crankies into some sort of sinister act. I'm kind of joking right. about that. Because as you say, the Crankies are one of the <laughs> few... Say... Uh, 80s light entertainers that we have that uh, I mean they have had quite a an exciting past which I'm sure we'll cover yeah. um, later on in the episode but they they've never been involved in anything that is untoward unlike a lot of the other light entertainers of those days which we're not going to dwell on
1: if you watch an episode of Top of the Pops 2 now like literally the only ones that the only presenters that they can still show are tony blackburn and Noel Edmonds. (laughs) that's it the rest of them are gone
0: (laughs) yeah let's just wait until they've passed away and then the stories come out (laughs) um so uh, this show is a it's a light entertainment kind of variety show i mean basically it is as you say it's barbara dixon david grant jimmy cricket uh Pepe and the Gang, modern pantom at the end, but the Crankies, the Crankies are a uh, modern romance. Sorry, um, the Crankies are basically just there to kind of do the kind of comparing bit in the middle. They do the intro, they do the little bits in between the acts, and obviously the last part is the the pantomime, yeah. pantomime. <laughs> it's been stuck in my fucking head forever. The little sketch that they do, but yeah, it's very much the kind of variety show that you don't really see much of nowadays. No. And I guess this is to showcase artists' And singers with their latest songs I mean, fucking hell, it must have been a hard push Like, Barbara, we've got you booked You're on the Crankies Club Christmas special And she's like, oh, fucking great, I'm going to do my Supremes cover <laughs> yeah. Of Stop in the Name of Love <laughs>
1: yeah, dude, I'm going to do my cover of Stop in the Name of Love That bears very little resemblance to the original song Apart from when I sing the chorus
0: <laughs> Do you think that Barbara Dixon and that Hey, fair play, I think my mum loved Barbara Dixon actually Um, Really liked her But this is, I mean. It's 1983, yeah, but my first instinct when I saw her was, Christ, she looks like she just come straight out of Prisoner Cell Block age.
1: She looks, because, like, the audience are clearly all children. You can tell by the mm. by the applause and the way they cheer. Barbara Dixon looks like she could be one of their mums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so if, you, if you're the kid, oh, but your dad's got tickets for you, for your pals to go and see, or you're going with the school to see the recording of the Cranky's Club at Christmas and then it's like your mum's pal gets up on stage and belts out a song <laughs> that you kind of vaguely rings a bell maybe you've heard it in an advert or something right yeah she's a strange addition to the the lineup for that show, I think.
0: So, of course, we're going to miss the the opening. So Ian comes out. He's the only one introduced. It's Ian.
1: Yeah.
0: And he decides to sing White Christmas. Now, I get the impression Ian, he thinks he's a, a crooner. Yeah, a chanter. Doesn't he? Yeah. He, he, he likes to have a little sing and, he you know, a couple of uh, points in this, this episode he sings. So he starts singing White Christmas, but then Jimmy comes down on a, a little kind of harness which, hey, fair play to Jeanette for going into that 1983 coming flying in throwing snow and then they have their first little kind of routine and the, the jokes are firing off and I have to be honest there was a couple of points in this opening sketch that I did burst out laughing yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of jokes that are pretty good, and not necessarily for adults. But it made me, as a forty-year-old man, kind of kind of chuckle at some of the the interaction and, and jokes they had.
1: Yeah, me too. They like, when they when she brings out the dog, well, it's not a real dog, and it's got the it's got, it's got the eye on the spring, and she's like, "Oh, this is so you can see around corners," <laughs> all that. And then when they Obviously the dog is on a wire So when she puts him down A stagehand Pulls the dog off Pulls the dog off the stage And she says <laughs> Ian says Oh he's still quite quick She said Oh it's just a guy there With a strength pulling them off
0: but <laughs> well, you can see the that she cracks up at that yeah. like genuinely it looks like a genuine laugh like she's and I don't know if she'd taken Ian by surprise because he just kind of smirk and then kind of smacks her as yeah. like, a, like a, you know, <laughs> I say that but I think I wonder if that was a little bit of improv yeah no uh, doubt.
1: in terms of that as well you see at the beginning just to backtrack about the very beginning when Ian is uh, announced days and gentlemen boys and girls it's Ian Cranky, and he's like he's hiding behind the Christmas tree. <laughs> so, if you watch it, it's like he's lurking behind the tree, and he just like bursts out. You know, it's a really strange way to make an entrance.
0: <laughs> but would like to point out at this point that Ian Cranky has never been involved in any implications of eighties child entertainers, and he's never hidden behind a Christmas tree and leapt out at children. Yeah,
1: and if he has, it hasn't been for any sinister, any sinister reasons. It's only been. Maybe it surprised Jeanette,
0: but yeah, I mean, some of the jokes are—they they just kind of work. When Jimmy says that his favourite panto was Cinderella, and when the
1: what was it? What did
0: Cinderella say? The chemist when they <laughs> mislaid her photos. someday <laughs> my, my prince, prince will come. Will come. Yeah. You know, obviously a very eighties kind of joke there, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that that did make me chuckle. I have to admit, I did enjoy that.
1: The other joke that she says is she asks Ian if he knows about the pantomime that pantomime that is set in a chemist and he says there's no pantomime set in a chemist and she says yeah there is and he says what is it she says puss in boots i genuinely burst out laughing at that <laughs> Genu-
0: <laughs> Puss in Boots. did you ever go to pantomime yeah as as a kid
1: yeah i mean i remember going to see peter pan when i was quite young and the actor playing peter pan so this is a bit of a deep cut right but you know, I think he was quite I think he had the bit he was quite famous for a little while in the eighties, this guy. You know Roger Moore's last Bond film, A View to a Kill, right? Yeah. You know there's a little Asian guy who is his Sort of contact in Paris, who Grace Jones shoots with a silencer. He's like he's he's uh, p- he's pretending to be a waiter to give Bond information, and Grace Jones shoots okay. him with a silencer and kills him. I can't remember his name. I think maybe Bert something. I can't remember. But he um he played Peter Pan. I couldn't tell you who else was in it. But no,
0: where where was in this? In Glasgow.
1: Yeah. Okay. Probably at the Pavilion in Glasgow. And I, I, was that a couple? As A kid in Glasgow. I only went to one in Aberdeen and I'd, I didn't want to be there. I was 16 at this point and I was dragged along mm. by my family, and it was, I think it was Snow White and Robin Galloway played Prince Charming and he had to sing Love Is All Around by Wet, Wet, Wet.
0: Oh wow. How did he uh, get on with that?
1: Um, I think the girl. Who played Snow White was quite a good singer So he just He kind of he wisely just kept his voice Sort of under hers You know what I mean So you could you could hear him but you couldn't really hear him well enough To know if he was a, a good singer or not
0: I, I was trying to think Because I, I, I think I've only really been to one Panto And I even remember thinking It was shite <laughs> And I was trying to look up And I did I pulled up The History of Panto at HMT. So this is all the the Pantos that were on at His Majesty's Theatre in Aberdeen, which is where I would have seen it. And I'm desperately trying to remember. I thought I was younger, but I remember it was Aladdin. And it was 1991, so I would have been 10 years old when I went to the Panto. Uh, Which I think, I still a bit old to be going to Panto. 10, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm convinced it was Aladdin. That we went to I mean I would have still been at primary school So that was starring Andy Gray And Rolf Harris Right Rolf Harris Wow Yeah he was uh, in Aladdin He obviously played I think Jafar I think Right I presume I don't think he played the genie I don't know But yeah I think that was the one I went to But yeah I I seem to remember just thinking Panto was absolute shite just didn't really enjoy it. I
1: mean, it's for kids, right? I mean, I'd, I, I'm i not a fan um, of Panto, uh, to be honest. Like, we, we lived in Kuwait, uh, me and my wife and the kids went to see a production that the, um, it was on at the school that the kids went to, but it was like an amateur dramatics company in Kuwait that put it on. And um, yeah, I just was like, and it, and it was really, really long as well. It was like two and a half hours. So even, even I think even the kids were bored by that point.
0: So the other kind of guest Star that's on this as well is Jimmy Cricket And my first kind of memory of Jimmy Cricket is I wouldn't imagine it was this show Because I say I was only two But he did a lot of the kind of variety shows And things like that He'd be on like, I don't know, Des O'Connor or something I don't know, I can remember And my first kind of memory of him is him coming out and my mum saying oh not this fucking idiot because <laughs> she she just couldn't stand him and I can see why he's um yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not that great uh, he's a bit of a I guess a, an acquired taste Jimmy cricket but yeah I think his act is that he is kind of this bumbling idiot that wears like a bowler hat and we- wears wellies. Wellington boots yeah. marked. L and R for left and right But he wears them on the wrong feet Yeah Which is Yeah And that's his gimmick And he just basically tells crap jokes But he comes out And sings some carols With Jimmy And Ian <laughs> Well Ian doesn't sing the carols He he gives them a, a Shocking telling off actually For some of the lyrics In their carols
1: My grandfather Shared your mum's disdain for Jimmy Cricket. Maybe for different reasons. I think my grandfather didn't like him because he was Irish. (laughs) My my grandfather just came from a different generation, you know, sort of Church of Scotland, etc. But uh, I don't remember being particularly excited when Jimmy Cricket came on when I was a kid, you know, because they used to say he would turn up on things like Cracker Jack or he would turn up maybe on... Like the Generation Game or something like that, or blankety blank or something, and you just think fucking hell, you know what I mean? Just I'm sure, I think he's I think he's passed away. I think um, I think he did, I think he did all right for himself, uh Jimmy Cricket, mm. That's a, uh, in his life. But uh yeah, I think by the by about 1987, 1988, I think he was he wasn't on telly anymore.
0: So they have a little bit singing. Christmas carols together, and it's quite innocent. I mean, they're, they're speaking about um, singing good King wenceslas and it's about running out of fuel yeah. and and suddenly being sick. There's, and then they come to sing um, "Tis the season to be jolly," and they change the lyrics slightly, which I'll put in here.
1: The door shut this time. Yeah, He yeah. at <laughs> <laughs>
0: it now. Fill our bags with lots of lolly. la 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 la. You will make us very jolly. Ha, 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 ha,
1: ha, There's tears in the eyes of a girl called Molly. Oh,
0: la, 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 I filled the knickers with jaggy holly. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that was quite funny. Um, I don't know if you've read the some of the comments on YouTube with regards to this video and this clip. So, And I'm going to put a link to this in the podcast description so if you are not aware of the Crankies and you want to watch this, what we're talking about, then have a look in the description of this podcast and you'll see um, a link to the YouTube clip. So uh, Valerie Brooks has commented saying, bring back great variety, good wholesome entertainment for the whole family. I think this is brilliant and thank you for showing this. But someone's replied to her comment saying, You might see this as wholesome (laughs) entertainment. And and to a degree, I would agree. This could have been the perfect comedy Christmas show, but they had to go and ruin it by doing blue versions of Christmas carols. This really ruined it for me. I always liked Ian, but that Jimmy one was always so foul-mouthed and literally reveled in taking ba- uh, in talking back to the adult. So much for the spirit of Christmas. So <laughs> I read this, and then I had to re-watch it a few times, and I was like, the only blue thing is filled her knickers with Jaggy Holly. Does that count as blue? God help her if she ever watches Jim Davidson's Cinderella and Boobs in the Woods, um, because then she'll really get a, a a blue version of Panto. But yeah, I, I was like, really? That's, that's not bad. There is one other kind of adult close to the bone comment in this show, which is when Ian uh it's it's just before Pepe and the gang come on. So it's after David Grant. In fact, do you want to speak about David Grant first? Because you you said you've got no memory of him. He was he's quite famous. He was in um he was one of the judges on Fame Academy.
1: I've never really watched Fame Academy when it was on.
0: Ah, uh, okay. He's married to it's like Carrie someone and and they she has like bright red hair. They're quite big singing coaches and right. stuff and um I think they had like a kids TV show as well Carrie and David's pop oh, show something but was yeah is that him
1: th- is it oh well yeah uh, that's him right. yeah that's him I didn't realize yeah. that was
0: him that was him so he was a a singer obviously back in the early 80s and then I don't think he had a huge amount of success and kind of uh, decides back in but then after he sings Tender Love which um I mean he delivers it that
1: his, his outfit we're just going to we just going to pass by what he's wearing he like I gonna... I have written that he, he looks like one of the warriors. I've written he looks like he's looking for a sheet of vinyl to breakdance on. <laughs> but it's more that that collar and that jacket. It looks like it's been pumped up before he's come on. <laughs> a fucking life jacket. It was 1983, <laughs> mate. Come
0: on. That was the fashion back then. Uh, just a, a year later, Marty McFly's wearing a life preserver. <laughs> it's, you know, it's... um. It's fine. It's uh, I thought you looked good, David Grant. But yeah, I did. write you like one of the warriors. What, it it shows at the time as well that you have Barbara Dixon with a full backing band. She's got a microphone. She's singing. out yeah. I mean, Obviously, she, you know we, know, we know she's miming, but you know, yeah. she's properly going for it. David Grant, nah, no backing band, no microphone, just gazing into the camera and just clenching his fists. And he he just wants you to know about this tender love. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, I wasn't sure at first when Barbara... I thought Barbara might be singing live, but then I saw her band, particularly when the guitarist does the solo, and his guitar's not plugged in. And then I was (laughs) like, ah. I mean, would she just sing live over a backing track? I'm not sure.
0: No, they wouldn't have done that. No, definitely not. I don't think anything back in those days was played live oh, in terms of TV. It was all backing tracks and stuff. Um, so after David Grant, you have the, which I think is the one kind of adult joke in here, is when they go to Santa's Grotto and Ian asks Jimmy about the guardsman oh, yeah, and if he can see his bearskin.
1: <laughs> hey, Ian, what kind of soldier
0: is that? That's a guardsman, Jimmy. You must, you must have seen one of these outside Buckingham Palace. Yeah? Yeah, can you see his bearskin? No, he's got all his clothes
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is what I think it means, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. Well, yeah, because she says, no, he's got his, because he's got his clothes on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. It could be, it could be taken but, a number of ways.
0: <laughs> but all the kids burst out laughing at that as well, which I think is uh, is brilliant in terms of... And then, of course, he's, Jimmy's says this kind of adult line and then he's brought back down to being this young boy when ian is like look at these lovely dollies dollies are for sissies yeah um and then and then they open this box and here is pepe (laughs) now how long are we going to be speaking about pepe and the gang
1: not too long i hope
0: (laughs) i have not been able to get satisfaction river deep mountain high out of my fucking head all week after watching this and and it's not the originals it's Pepe and the Gang's version. Uh, not their version, obviously. I know they didn't actually cover it because they're fucking puppets. <laughs> I'll be honest. The first time I watched this, I was like, this is fucking terrible. The second time I watched it, I was like, this is actually quite good. The third time I watched that, I was like, yes, it's Pepe and the Gang. <laughs> and <laughs> they're really good. It's entertaining. Like It's it's fun. It's puppets dancing to the Rolling Stones and Tina Turner. It's um, it's bizarre. But I didn't realise they were on so much, but you're saying that they've they've been on a lot of stuff.
1: I don't remember that at all, Now like Pepe and the gang. But like I said before, when I was watching some old Cracker Jack episodes and stuff, they pop up quite a lot. So they do. So I, I guess they they had their moment in the early 80s.
0: Huh, good on Pepe. I hope they uh, invested their money wisely for that little period of time that they were successful and famous. So that ends part one. Now, did you notice that when part two starts, Ian's Got a different jumper on.
1: <laughs> I did notice that. Maybe, maybe that is getting a bit sweaty in the first one. Maybe <laughs> oh, he's boy. changed
0: his jumper. Again, uh, I, 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 I did like this little sketch when Jimmy comes out as a pirate, and it's it's a wholesome mm-hmm. kind of message as well of. of Pirate video means illegal, and then a cracking little joke about it's no illegal, it's a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> nice wholesome humour. You forget about that pirate videos back in the day. Um, of uh, what they are. I mean, of course now it's all downloads and torrents, which you know we don't condone. Um, but uh, yeah, pirate videos. It was always exciting back in the day if someone had a pirate video. I wonder what pirate video Jimmy was watching.
1: The bell around 1983 it was probably ET because i remember like, the first pirate video i ever saw was a copy of ET that was flying around and somebody at my dad's work lent him and we 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 had it for a week and what and i probably watched it about 40 times in that week and then it went to my cousins and they watched it a load of times and it went to my other cousins and then went back to where it came from but yeah like because the movies didn't come out at the same time back then as they did in the US It could be like months and months later. I mean, I saw Ghostbusters at the cinema and it must have been early 1985, maybe. I was in primary two. Now, Obviously, the the film was released in 1984 in the US. So I think it would take about a good six months for a film to come to the UK from Hollywood.
0: Now, the next part of the show, I think we will probably spend a little bit of time speaking about this. The Flying Rollers. (laughs) What the fuck? The flying rollers appear to be a kind of French roller skating couple. Who he just basically swings around on this kind of trampoline. Well, it's not a trampoline; it's more like a a kind of stage. Yeah, it's like a little kind of mini stage. A trampoline obviously would would sag, Mm. but a podium. Thank you. That's the word I was (laughs) looking for. And they just kind of skate about, and he flings her around. And for a, a light entertainment children's show in the nineteen eighties, her outfit does not leave much to the imagination, does it?
1: Now, I've been thinking about how did the Holy Rollers find themselves on the Crankies Club at Christmas? What was their what was their journey from France to like prime time ITV? Yeah, you know, I mean, I sort of think, well maybe they got a <laughs> Maybe they got a British agent and it's like, Oh hmm. you know we got you we've got you a gig <laughs> We've got you a gig. Oh <laughs> what is uh what is this gig? Well, there's this comedy act from Scotland, right? It's a bit unusual, but we think you're an unusual act as well, so we think that you'll like them. Basically they're a married couple, the wife plays a little boy, and uh the husband plays no sure, maybe like his dad, his guardian. Yeah. <laughs> No, not really sure what the relationship is. Oh, it is a... This is a, this is a kid's show. Yeah, well, it's, it's predominantly for children. It gets you on the television. Well, okay, we will do it, but she wears the same outfit that she wears in France. That's fine. <laughs> There'll be jokes about bearskins and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I've seen the script. I mean, honestly, your, the her outfit is the... These shocking of it. That's how I think to imagine that it went. I'll try and take
0: some screen grabs of this and send them to you so we can use them for Instagram yeah. Um. and we can we can show you this outfit she's wearing or as I say follow the link that I will put in the podcast description yeah. it's it's basically just like she's just got glitter covering her nipples and her pubis I mean her her pubis area I mean so it's yeah other than that it's just basically a sheer body <laughs> she stocking is. and she's being flung around all over
1: the place <laughs> basically she's basically wrapped in Sparkly cling film <laughs> and a pair of, mm. a, with a pair of roller boots, and that into and your pocket. And I forgot
0: to check when this would have went out, but this must have been like tea time, yeah, on five o'clock on a probably Saturday night. <laughs> and <What? laughs> she's getting flung around in with her glittery paps and pubis.
1: <laughs> it's like dad's getting in early from work. What time's that? Uh, what time are they showing that Cranky's Christmas thing again? <laughs> If they got
0: that do you think the, the high Do you think the high ratings of this Led to them putting on Baywatch and then Gladiators On at that time slot on a Saturday evening For the dads Definitely <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just,
1: Okay um, yeah, I mean,
0: the flying rollers are... I mean, they're fucking shite. I, I don't know how else to describe them. I mean, they're great, very talented at what they do. But I don't want to watch this, but I couldn't take my eyes away from the, the glittery body <laughs> yeah. seat. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy comes on and uh, he wants a go. And, of course, it, it's obviously a dummy they're using um, because the quick cuts there's two quick cuts I think initially when he's going slow and then he starts going really fast and you can see it's a dummy it's different skin tone (laughs) that is flying up in the air (laughs) he's just got this fucking latex dummy (laughs) flapping its legs around and then it cuts again and suddenly slows down and it's Jeanette again (laughs) Uh, but yeah you know good honor for doing it and, and fair play it spun around, but obviously didn't want to get spun too far.
1: Yeah, and they. And too fast. The the girl, half of the Flying Rollers, suggests, obviously, trying to make a bit of a joke, which falls flat on its arse, that uh, Jimmy needs to take his hat off because it will make him lighter. And it literally, it's, I think it's the quietest time during the whole 40 yeah. minutes. You can literally hear, like, somebody clearing their throat at the back of the studio. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a little bit awkward. Jeanette tries to make a joke out of it. Yeah. Um but yeah, it doesn't go um doesn't go that well, unfortunately. <laughs> in fact, is that not what she says? And I, I had to double check. I, this isn't racist. We'll come to that later. But <laughs> when she asks her to take the hat off, Jeanette does say, um, oh, take off my hat. Does she think I've just come up the Clyde in a banana boat?
1: <laughs> That's- yeah. When I was a kid in Glasgow, people would say that if like you know, if they felt that you were trying to catch them out. But more the, the, the more common phrase of it was you think I came up the Clyde in a bubble? I did
0: hear... Mm. Oh, yeah. I- I've heard yeah.
1: that, yeah. I've heard Banana Boat a few times when I was a kid. I'm not sure where it came from. <laughs> Probably from a fairly racist place, For honest. That's where most things came from when we were kids, you
0: know? Well, I, I think it is meant to be... Because uh, I did look into this a little bit. I don't think it is uh, completely. Because um, the, the other one, someone said, like, the Aberdeen alternative was, do you think I've just come down the D on a digestive right and i was like i've never heard that before so i don't think that is but yeah Clyde in a banana boat no i i, I don't think it's i I, oh, I don't know maybe best to leave yeah, that yeah. um so flying rollers uh, yeah wonderful um uh, jimmy crickets next with his little stand-up sketch yeah. um i I, uh, I think we could just skip this it's fucking shite yeah, let's go to modern romance i, I, I don't really remember modern romance
1: I don't remember them at all, but they are taking it incredibly seriously, especially the singer. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, all all the musical acts are David Grant. David Grant, he he performs like he's on top of the pops, or you know what I mean. Yeah, and these guys do as well. But I suppose. I <laughs> you know, because, like, I watched um, one of the Cracker Jacks that I watched. Now, Cracker Jack, I don't, I don't think they do it in this, but in Cracker Jack, the camera would always pan to the audience, right? And then um, okay. whoever was in charge of these kids in the audience, I mean, they must have... <laughs> these kids are fucking out of control. Do you know what I mean? They're standing standing up, I mean, they're all there like in their school uniforms, or their or their brownie uniforms, or their cub uniforms and stuff, and they're up and they, every, every, every now and again, there will be like an adult, just sitting down between, maybe clapping politely or smiling, the kids are like <laughs> they've got paper hats on and stuff, and um, I saw Toya Wilcox perform on Cracker Track mm. and she is a hundred miles an hour going for it, I mean, she was Pretty big back in back when Cracker Jack was out in the LA. Yeah. She was like, very popular in the UK. And she's absolutely going for it. Like she's given like a concert to all her all her fans. Um and, and like, these guys are a bit like that as well. I'm thinking like the audience the average age of the audience is probably about eleven years old. <laughs> And these guys are performing like they're performing on top of the pops in front of like 16 to 20 year old young women that probably made up 75% of the record buying population at the time. Guys, we're going to be in. We're going to get to number one after appearing on, on the Crankies. Oh, bless them though. But yeah,
0: it's a strange thing because I say I don't really remember them. I did have a quick look about them, and they did have a couple of hits. But you know, they are kind of a serious-ish band. I, I guess it would always be like Madness appearing on the Crankies. Madness would have made more special. sense
1: because at least Jimmy could have come yeah. on and had a bit of crack with like Suggs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Done the nutty walk. I don't know, were they into that? All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, <yeah.
0: laughs> that's not tea time entertainment doing crack. Maybe we leave that for the dressing room later. Yeah. Okay, the, the, then we go on to the pantomime, which kind of is the the last, well, not last part, but the, the kind of closing sketch that they have. Yeah, I I, I don't know where to start <laughs> with this. I mean, it it it's fucking shite, but it's. It's quite entertaining. So the, the whole premise is that you have like four or five different acts coming on to sing a part and Jimmy keeps interrupting with a punchline of yeah. kind of their sketch. And sometimes it's not funny. I, I think the, the first person is, is Jimmy Cricket as a fairy. Mm. And that's quite forgettable. Now, let's go on to Sarah Hollenby as Aladdin. Oh, mama.
1: Yes, she has,
0: that's one for the dads.
1: She has some long legs. So she... Does she mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely one oh. for the dads. Probably they, yes. the producers were probably thinking it's, it's it's been a wee while now since the the flying rollers were on. The dads are probably saying, "Let's get get this shit off and get and get the news on." I want to watch the news um, and then roll out Sarah. Oh, actually, just leave it on for another few minutes. You know, Maybe well to watch the end of it.
0: <laughs> now, however, her little part does lead to probably the most troublesome. Part of this little episode. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm going to put the sound clip in here and then you can describe exactly what happens. in Poor, I must confess, in China spied a sweet princess to be her boyfriend, he was seeking. Ah, naughty little Chinaman, no peeking. I <laughs> So they were wed. She was dressed in blue. She was 19 and he was 22.
1: Covered in rice from head to foot. Sounds like a
0: Chinese carrier. Oh, you yes. <laughs> So at the end of the first verse, Jimmy then says, naughty little China man, no peeking." What does he do, Greg?
1: Well, uh, unfortunately, Jeanette makes the regrettable uh, choice to take the, her first finger in each hand and draw up the corners. Of her eyes To affect the look Of a person Of Asian origin <laughs> Now In
0: 1983 I'm sure this was Hilarious Now Looking back It's um, Yeah It's it's quite regrettable And I'm sure they look back On this And think Yeah That, that probably wasn't The best thing to do mm. Has the, the kids in the audience In hysterics
1: though? Absolute hysterics And I'm sure Probably Copying The Regrettable Gesture <laughs> As well But you know when I, I don't know if I sent you this. When I lived in Kuwait a few years ago, uh, we used to always use this uh, Chinese takeout called China Garden. And they did a little poster, online poster campaign. And the poster campaign was the best of... I think it was something like the best of Southeast Asia served in the Middle East, right? Fairly harmless, quite a harmless slogan. Slogo? Slogan? slogan. Um, but unfortunately... They had an Arabic guy dressed in a dishdasha, the traditional traditional Arabic dress, and he's, so he's representing the Middle East. Now, to represent the best of Southeast Asia, rather than have a Chinese person, for example, standing beside him, the Arabic guy just did what Jeanette (laughs) Does in the Cranky's Christmas special And he draws up the corners of his eyes To make himself look like a Southeast Asian person This was in 2018 So Kuwait has not progressed That far The Kuwait are still living in 1983 With what they think is acceptable
0: Okay, um, so <laughs> um, Me- Melvin Hayes I- I've got no memory of Melvin Hayes
1: I, yeah, I vaguely recall you know, he was another sort of blankety blank generation game, sort of 3, right, three 2 1 sort of person mm. that appeared in there.
0: Well, yeah, we'll skip over him then. <laughs> and then we have uh, Jimmy Calderwood, uh, ex Aberdeen manager, um, <laughs> coming out as the. Oh, sorry, Bernie Winters as the. Uh,
1: <laughs> now, poor Jimmy. kind of like
0: he's I can't slag like Jimmy now, no, unfortunately. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Um, because um, I know he's very unwell at the moment so um, uh, apologies for that uh, but it was always the, the joke he looked like Bernie Winters <laughs> now, so he's playing what I can only presume to be is the Giant from Jack and the Beanstalk but he's dressed as the Jolly Green Giant <laughs> and, and and he gives uh, yeah, a fair quote now Bernie Winters I, uh, obviously, we'll come to it at the very end when he comes out with Schnorbits and that's what I always remember him was being Schnorbits Bernie Winters, did he he had a show on ITV that it was almost. I always remember it was him sitting in a chair with like a sack, and he had schnorbits with him. Was was he almost like a an ITV version of Jim will fix it?
1: Ah, oh, but without the pedos. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I,
0: I, I, I just can't remember. I remember he had a show, but I can't remember what it was he did. And I did mean to to look this up and I completely forgot. But I remember him, he used to sit in a chair with a sack and he had schnorbits next to him and kids would be around him. And I, I don't know if it was like a variety show he did or if he did kind of grant kids wishes or something in terms of, of that. Um, and it was, it was like Jim will fix it with less touching. I don't know. I can't remember. I mean,
1: I know he used to have an act with his brother Mike, Winters. Let's have a look. Partial filmography of Bernie Winters. Um there's nothing <laughs> I'm not bothered to put anything after nineteen eighty one. So he's not got many credits on Wikipedia. He's got Six Five Special, Idol and Parade, Jazz Boat, Let's Get Married. He plays Jinx Short Bottom in a programme called In the Nick, which I can only assume is a sort of porridge type comedy. Unfortunate name. Uh Johnny Nobody Play It Cool, The Cool Mikado. I'm sure that wasn't racially inappropriate at all in 1963. Confessions from the David Galaxy Affair. Uh, That's all there really is on there about Bernie Winters. Um, Hang on. Regular on Give Us a Clue in the 1980s. Uh, Nah, mate, I don't know. Don't know.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. I just seem to remember... Something along those lines But maybe I'm I'm making that up But yeah Bernie Winters um, As Yeah the, What I can only describe As the jolly green giant Um, um, Did you enjoy The pantomime song And how long has that Been stuck in your head After listening to it
1: It's stuck in my head now um, And I first watched this About three weeks ago When you sent me it For the first time You know I think I'm I don't want to personally. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's shit because I know that it, a lot of people really enjoy it, right? So it's, it's not for me to tell you if you enjoy something that it's shit, right? But I'm not a fan of panto, and I think it's shit, right? Personally speaking, so only my opinion it doesn't reflect the opinion of anybody else. It's a very British thing. Panto, I, I feel yeah. you know what I mean. Very British, so I think it sort sort of comes from that sort of seaside town, end of the pier, light entertainment, cabaret sort of scene. I mean, the Crankies have been doing. They the Crankies only stopped doing panto about maybe five or six years ago. Like they were all, they were still regulars in Panto when I lived in Glasgow and unfortunately Jeanette they were doing Jack and the beanstalk and Jeanette had to climb up this uh, well beanstalk prop and she fell off during a rehearsal fell 15 foot and cracked her skull luckily she made a full recovery but uh, if I can avoid it I will. Um, there was supposed to be a Panto here in Dubai this weekend the QE2 is in Dubai, Indira, the Queen and the Queen Elizabeth uh, ship. It just stays here all the time and the panto was supposed to be on that, but it's been cancelled. I can only assume because of COVID. Um or maybe there were some inappropriate Chinaman jokes in it or something. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's just it's just not it's just not my cup of tea, mate, at all. I don't know, I suspect it's not yours either. No,
0: no, definitely not. Um I was kinda of more referring to the, the, the song that they sing oh, right. in okay. terms of the pantomime. Pantomime I, I would put a clip in But I can't be alright <laughs> Now The end is a little bit Strange Way to end this show In terms of Ian sings a song To Jimmy Jimmy asks for his present Yeah And then Ian sings The little boy That Santa Claus
1: Forgot well, Ian and- says first That he He's been so busy Getting ready for the show That he's forgotten To buy Jimmy A present and Jimmy's like, "Ah, oh, you're joking! Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, you're kidding on." He's like, "No, no," he said, "I just forgot." And then, obviously, the penny drops, and that cue, this maudlin, fucking downer of a song, <laughs> to finish what's been like quite good fun up until that point, <laughs> you
0: know. I mean, the the one line that sticks out for me, I can't remember what it rhymes with, but it was like. Something something laddie He's a something something laddie He hasn't got a daddy (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute This is a bit (laughs) For kids TV (laughs) We're going a little bit dark here But then it's fine because Bernie Winters Turns up with Schnorbitz, And he is Santa and he delivers He gives Jimmy a fucking shit ton of presents
1: Right now the song The little boy that Santa Claus forgot Is actually a really old song uh, hmm. it, was writ- it was written by a guy called Michael Carr in 19.
0: 19- I didn't think it was a Cranky's original. Well, I mate.
1: Well, I'll be honest. I thought that it might have been. I thought it might have been. <laughs> I'm honest. So I feel. Oh, really? I, Did you? I feel a bit. No. I feel a bit foolish now um, for saying that.
0: It's no. It's no reggae love songs, which we'll come on to shortly.
1: Yeah. So it was written by Michael Carr, Tommy Connor, and Jimmy Leach in 1937. Most notably performed by Vera Lynn. Um, bizarrely, oh. her version is used in the opening scene in The Wall The Pink Floyd film Which I've, I have to admit I've never I've never ever seen um, other, people, mm. other people who have recorded it Are Johnny Adams, Billy McKenzie, Elsie Carlyle Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole, who's his daughter Billy Cotton, John Farnham, Alex Harvey uh, from Glasgow oh, uh, Arthur Tracy And a part of the song is sung by Jim Belushi In the movie Jingle All The Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger Which mm. I have to admit Is another film That
0: I've never seen No, that is a Christmas film That is what I need To get my wife to watch Jingle All The Way That's a great film i never watched it No it's not actually Jingle All The Way Shite No Jingle All The Way Yeah that's that's, yeah, that's with Turbo Man yeah. yeah Turbo Man Turbo Man Yeah Jingle All, <laughs> All The Way No <laughs> Turbo Man Yeah I'm thinking Yeah Last Action Hero i watched that That's great Jingle All The Way I can't remember I've never seen it Yeah that. actually I'm going watch- to watch Jingle All The Way this weekend okay. With the wife See what it's like. Uh, yeah, I didn't realise it was such an old song yeah. and um so many people have covered it. But yeah, I, I didn't think it was a cranky's original. But <laughs> yeah, it's a very weird way to end the show. But then say, it's okay. Bernie Winters and Schnorbitz come out and save the day. So all ends well. So that is the, the wonderful world, of the Crankies. I mean, uh, we need to talk about the cranky's kind of legacy because they were such a big act. They had three albums that yeah. came out. And did well on the chart. So they had two sides of the Crankies. Uh, they had "It's Fan Dabby Dozy," which I, I don't think we've referenced it was their catchphrase. Yep. Um, and the Crankies go to Hollywood, and they had some great songs such as reggae love songs, which I sent you a clip of during the week. Did you listen to it and enjoy
1: it? I did listen to it. It's it's problematic for a number for a, a number of reasons. That we don't need to go into I'm sure that it wasn't the intention When the Jeanette and Ian recorded the song Was to offend anybody, I'm sure But it's quite problematic <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it,
0: it certainly is <laughs> And of course they had um, They released a, an autobiography Was it in the early 90s? Um yeah. And they, they mentioned what they like to get up to <laughs> In their, their private life And it turns out they were They were quite the swingers, weren't they?
1: Yeah, apparently so And in fact, Ian spoke about it In 2011 On a Stark Talk uh, A BBC Radio Scotland show uh, Saying they had enjoyed a colourful sex life At the time when their profile Was at its highest in the 1980s Admitting to episodes of swinging He told of one He told the story of one amorous incident Where the pair almost sailed off course to France In a small boat While partaking in a sex act <laughs> Yeah, I don't even really know what to say um, <laughs> I would quite like to read The Fra- the Cranky's autobiography I think it would be quite interesting I think I might have to flick past If they go into too much detail about What they were getting up to I know that they, they sort of called time on there. Sexy shenanigans when um, they became famous for doing children's stuff because they didn't want anything to come out yeah. that might, you know, they, well, they would say affect their audience. I might say kill their career. <laughs> it, was, it made a career of fucking performing as children. Like, fucking good luck to them. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, uh, no, it, as long <laughs> as it was all fine. I mean, I, I, I agree. I'd quite like to lead, read their book as well because I did read this article. It reported on their swinging obviously. Mm -hmm. And then it also says, it's been reported that the couple used to live a rather rock and roll lifestyle, once trashing status quo's tour bus. (laughs) Not only that, but Ian also flattened magician Paul Daniels with a single punch in a bar. Uh, Ian is quoted as saying, I was a bit punchy, I suppose. I was in my 30s. Yes, I punched Paul Daniels, but that's not really a bad thing, is it? (laughs) i think he must have said something to contradict something i was saying i'd probably had a drink and was talking rubbish but i just went bang (laughs) he went off the chair and the whole bar applauded and said it's time that someone did that (laughs) that just kind of makes ian cranky my new hero like
1: (laughs) what a legend
0: oh so fantastic um Anything else on the crankies before we run it through? I mean, it's going to be a tough awards, but I do have something for every category. Do you
1: really? I think. I don't... All right, I don't have it. I got nothing for every category.
0: I mean, I've I've been stretching
1: it in oh, terms
0: right. of trying to make it fit. Okay. Yeah. Anything else, or should we? Uh, well, you know, I think should we run it through? I think,
1: I think just before we go into the awards, you know, like the that this is like this when this show was recorded, and as you said, we can put a link to it on the social media so you can watch it at your leisure. Hmm. Now, this is the crankies at like the height of their power, Like So by the end of the 1980s, not really on the TV. Certainly not on kids' television anymore. Um, French and Saunders. They'd have them on there Sketch show a few mm. times I think probably most famously um, They have Jeanette playing Anakin Skywalker When they sent up the Phantom Menace J- uh, Jennifer Saunders also Put Jeanette in her Absolutely fabulous movie in 2016 Again a bit of a Regrettable decision when Because they, they, they have her play a Japanese designer Called Hooky Muki, And she has to kind of put on a lot of foundation And stuff it's a bit
0: Now I, I know that we had discussed this yeah. And I actually read up about this and it's on the Cranky's Wikipedia page uh-huh. It does mention um, That they come into a bit of flack for this However It was a Korean comedian That accused them of doing this and putting them in yellow face. Right. Um, however, when they actually interviewed Jennifer Saunders about it, she said, it's not like the character is not Japanese. She's Scottish, right. which is, is, is true because she only has one line in the film, which is, is it, I'm bursting for a pitch, <laughs> <Yeah>. which, <laughs> and it said, you know, when she's asked about it, she's like the, the whole film is about people being what they're not. Hookie Mookie is a brand She's the designer and she, okay, maybe looks a bit Japanese, but when she opens her mouth, she's from Glasgow. There's no yellow makeup there. It's it's meant to be the aura, the brand. And it's kind of true, really. She's not, she always has sunglasses on. Yeah. And I, I, I can see that it, I think it's the haircut maybe and because she's called hooky Mookie. But yeah, the, the only line she has is I'm bursting for a push. <laughs> so I I think it's it's come into a little bit of um, yeah unfortunate it's gonna... uh, controversy there, which is I, I don't think is necessary.
1: Yeah. Well, the couple are pretty much retired anyway. Uh, They've they've retired down to Devon. They live down there. And yeah, excuse me, uh, sorry, uh, fondly remembered, especially in Scotland. I've got a bit of a tenuous link in the Jeanette went to the same high school as my mum my Sorry, as my dad and my auntie went to But she didn't go at the same time So it's not like we knew them But that's about it The last thing they were on was uh, Harry Hill's Alien Fun Capsule in 2019 I've got no idea what happens In his <laughs> Alien Fun Capsule I've never <laughs> seen it I'm sure it's good wholesome family entertainment
0: Yeah, uh, I have not seen that But I will have a look for it on YouTube
1: Cool So okay then So how did you manage to <laughs> Talk us through uh, how you managed To stretch out our Coveted Swally Awards to fit The cranky's Club of Christmas Special.
0: So so what, do you not have Anything at all I no- in terms of Awards? I got nothing,
1: it's all you this week
0: Right, okay, well, g- give me give me The awards, category by category okay. And I will tell you my winner then.
1: Okay, <clears throat> so category one The Ewan McGregor Award For Gratuitous Nudity uh, who-
0: The Flying Broders <laughs> Um It's gratuitous for a kids' show, though. Surely, I mean, okay, it's not nudity, but she's she's wearing just sparkly bits to cover her bits. So, <laughs> okay, um, it's it's gratuitous for a kids' show. So, yeah, I've given it to the Flying Rollers.
1: Fair enough. Um, the James Cosmo Award for being an everything Scottish.
0: The Crankies.
1: <laughs> Were they in everything Sc- <laughs> everything Scottish? the Crankies. The, okay, uh, Barbara Dixon. That, the program <laughs> that program was made by London Weekend Television. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it's the Crankies. They've been on lots of Scottish stuff. It's the Crankies. You got to give it to the Crankies.
1: Okay, uh, the Jake McQuillan Tease Out Award.
0: Uh, when Jimmy stood on Lucky's tail.
1: The f- <laughs> Francis Begbie Award. For gratuitous swearing.
0: Well, I, I'm really stretching it here, but I went with bare skin because it sounds like foreskin, and it's that's not a swear word, but it's a dirty word. So
1: bare skin. Um, archetypal Scottish moment.
0: Uh, when they say there's a goose loose about this hoose.
1: All right, fair enough. And then the Sean Connery Award, also known as the Who Won the Show, Who Got to Go Home and Fuck the Prom Queen. For
0: me, it was Sarah Hollenby. She won it for me. <laughs> but I, I gave it to the Grand Keys. But actually, you know, looking back, I might give it to Pepe and the gang. <laughs> They've grown on me so much. I I genuinely will go back and watch Peppy and the Gang again.
1: So this is our our Christmas episode. Our next episode will come out uh, the week between Christmas and New Year. So that'll make it our Hogmanay episode. So it's your choice. I, you, let me have the crankies. It's a bit of a Christmas present to me, so I thank you for that. What have you chosen for a Hogmanay episode?
0: Well, I'd like to go back to Hogmanay 2013, Greg, and... On the next episode, we are going to gatecrash Eric and Beth's New Year party as we look at the original hour-long pilot episode of Two Doors Down. Brilliant.
1: I was—I <clears throat> think I did mention uh, in a few episodes back that i i managed to watch all of Two Doors Down uh, when I was back mm. in Scotland, because all, all the episodes are available in the BBC app there, and what a good time it was.
0: As we are recording this today, I do believe the new series starts tomorrow night. So, um, but that's as we're recording this, which is obviously a little bit in advance. Uh, So yeah, looking forward to that. It could be tomorrow or it might be Monday, maybe. I need to check. But yeah, looking forward to to having a look at that because I've I've got very fond memories of the original. And we're going to have to be careful because we're only discussing the pilot. Mm Mm-hmm. I know we're going to dip into the series a little bit. Yeah, I'm but sure. We'll, we'll, we'll try because we're going to probably do the series at a later date as well, I would imagine. Okay, well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And thank you for your support over the year. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. And hey, if you've liked this year of the Swally and you've liked this episode, then the best Christmas present you could give us would be to give us a five-star review on iTunes. Or an even better present, go and tell a couple of your friends about us. And hey, if, if there's someone you don't like and you thought that this episode was shite... Go and tell them about us as well, and then they'll have to listen to a fucking hour and a half of us speaking about the Crankies. But we really appreciate your support and wish you all a very Merry Christmas. If it's your first time listening, then please, you can follow us on Instagram at Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. And if you have anything you would like us to review or any news stories you've seen you'd like us to talk about, then you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Now, Greg... Should we mention the website? Is it still a bit fucked?
1: It's still a bit fucked, um, but we have I have written a, I have written a WordPress uh, blog post all about the crankies uh, that we'll put up um, a link to at, just when the episode comes out. So if you if you live in Zambia or New Zealand or somewhere and you're fascinated at the concept of the crankies and you want to know more about them, then you can read a short little blog post which tells you all you need to know about the Crankies before you go on a YouTube binge. Fantastic.
0: And as I say, we will put a link to the episode we've just reviewed in our description of the podcast and we'll put it on social media as well so everyone can find it. Okay, well have a wonderful Christmas everyone I hope Santa brings you everything you are hoping for we'll be back on the 30th of December with our New Year episode where we'll be looking at two doors down Greg, till next time, get that fucking steak pie in the oven
1: (laughs) Merry Christmas